Let me tell you a little something about the chronic gals. Just two best buds and they're very best pals. Talking about cannabis, that good, that tree. So grab a joint and just fuck with me. Hey! Hi, welcome to Chronic Gals. I'm Ashleen. And I'm Riley. Welcome back to episode 17. Yahoo! Live from coronavirus quarantine. Still. Oh, yeah. We still. are still here. But thanks to Zoom, we can connect. We can still connect. <laughs> the magic of the interwebs. Yay. Thanks, technology. How are you guys doing over there? Oh, we're keeping on, keeping on. We, I watched like four seasons of Power in probably four days. I have not so, heard anything about that show. Tell me about it. So I don't even know who the actors are in it, but it's a show that was on Stars, and it's about Stars has good shows. Stars has good shows. They do have really good shows. It's about this drug, like the biggest drug dealer in New York City. His name is Ghost, and he is also a has like a nightclub too to like clean his money. So it's basically him trying to get out of the crime game, but like all good TV, they can never get out of the crime game. And it's just like, he falls in love with, or he runs into his ex lover from high school and like, they fall in love again, but she just so happens to be a USA attorney who is like of part course. of like, yeah, part of the crime team that is trying to take down the cartel that he sells his drugs from. So it's, it's just messy and <laughs> dramatic and perfect for binge watching random or all day. I think, well... We did mushrooms the other night, so I just kind of sat and watched <laughs> Power <laughs> for like hours. But that's awesome. Yeah, we were we yeah. so it's just a lot of binge watching and hanging out. I've been back on Outlander. Ooh. I was really into that show for a little while, and then I like after I watched. I don't remember how quickly I watched it, but I watched like three seasons in a very short span of time and I had to make myself stop and just like take a break or maybe yeah no it was okay I watched the first two seasons really fast started the third one and was like no just take a step back (laughs) you need a break slow down (laughs) slow down and then the other day I picked it back up again and started season three because this fourth season just started I think maybe I don't know another a new season just Mm -hmm. started so it prompted me to get back into it um, another star show and that one's really really good it's but it's very much just like a tv romance novel where you know there's just lots of fucking and killing and drama and that's what power is and yeah so I'm just like I'm super into it but I'm really trying to keep myself to like maybe one or two episodes a day that's and like good. like not it's not a show I want to fall asleep to either because I want to pay Mm -hmm. attention I don't want to have to go back and see what happened so I've been like trying to be mindful about my watching it that's good I just let myself just sit and 
watch it yeah, you know yeah yeah different situations though I don't I only have so much time to watch tv at this point that's very true so because I do try to see some of my some of the time when the babies are napping to like do the dishes and you know whatnot yeah yeah so that's I'm, fair yeah I'm trying to be a good adult and like set boundaries for myself that I am not usual I'm not used to setting so you know that's good trying to grow and evolve and shit good yeah I so yeah basically was like in bed all weekend watching power and Monday or we went out on walks like we took the dogs out and I was like I have to move my body at least once because (laughs) I know that I'm just being so lazy yeah but not putting too much pressure on it you know of course of course but um but yeah, so Pat, we're watching, we've watched Power, but we've also, I put some plants in water to start growing roots. I'm planting a garden, like a potted garden for the house. So like there's things right. that I'm also doing, but yeah, no, this weekend has definitely just been, it's been a power outage. Hello. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Yeah, Adam has done <laughs> Adam's done a lot to get our backyard all ready for this year's garden. We just kind of feel like if the apocalypse is going to happen, like let's have some, you know, roots in the ground and mm-hmm. have get some staple, the potatoes and onions. And he wants to do this big corn patch this year. And he's super into it, which is excellent. Like if Great. he wants to take the lead on getting it all set and getting things in the ground, I'll help start seeds if he wants. And I will totally help like down the line, weed and harvest. Mm-hmm. Like I will help take care of the plants once they're in the ground, but I'm really excited that he's happy to just like get it all in. That's awesome. And then I'm down to help cook too, you know, like, yeah, it's not a chicken little, not chicken little. What's that one story where the farm animal wants to bake some bread so he grows the wheat, but nobody wants, he like, grows the wheat and then harvests the wheat and then bakes the bread, but nobody wants to help him. So that, but then everyone wants to eat the bread once it's made. I'm not those farm animals. I will help along the way. <laughs> That's good, because I don't know what story you're talking about, but it's always nice to help along the way. Yeah. But I'm yeah. very happy that he's down to, like, get it all started. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. There's a pot, like, a, the, uh, there's a big wooden po- planter pot on the patio that yeah. has a dead tree in it. I'm going to take the tree out and plant some tomatoes. Cool. Good call. Start, yeah. Make that like a tomato bush plant. And then I already have some green onions in water waiting to like root more. And I'll put those in a pot. And I'll figure that I would start with like herbs. And then maybe I'm just ill-equipped to do anything right now. Yeah. Because this was such a late decision of mine. But yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, I I would want, like, onions and garlic and potatoes. Plus, it's kind of but. expensive to start a potted garden if you don't already have the pots. Like those, Exactly. Those big pots for the bigger vegetables get expensive really quickly. Like, even for, yeah. like, zucchini and cucumber, you need the at least, the like, a three-gallon one. Yeah. So, so I get wanting to start, start small. small. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then mom, for one of her quick lists, purchases or whatever got a basil plant which I don't know if she meant to buy the plant plant or just like basil Basil. yeah but we have a plant and I potted it so 
Cool. Hopefully it'll survive. <laughs> nice. But nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Adam's mom gifted us a one of those like living lettuce plants. Oh. So nice. I'm gonna take some of the lettuce from that and then we're gonna plant that and see if we can get it nice. to to keep giving. That's good. So I'm so yeah. glad that it's been sunny now. Like it's been so I know great. It's supposed to be nice and warm today and tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And wait till you come over to the house next time. Adam cleaned off the deck. He like, what? he just, all that's left and he needs to like power wash it down. Mm-hmm. But he cleared off all of the pots and everything and then just put two cha- deck chairs and a little table so we can do like joints and coffees and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. So cute. So I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> so Yay. I have a little deck spot now to go hang out and work or read or listen to podcasts or hang out, you know feed Theo that kind of thing yeah your deck is pretty pretty amazing so I'm glad that you got it all cleaned off me too speaking of joints and coffee what are you smoking right now oh I was just smoking um a CBD Lady J joint um I've been really enjoying starting off any like major smoking session with CBD just because it helps to like moderate and make sure I don't get too stoned. That's good. Yeah. That's good. But I, you know, it all, they all, they like give you a feeling they change something. It, you're definitely mm-hmm. not stoned, but you're, you feel lifted. Somehow. Like, oh. yeah. 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 So I'm, I don't know. I really like them. I like the Lady J's. I want to try the CBG joints. The mm, flower. I didn't know that they had them. Yeah. They just, I think, they might, I don't know, they, they're out now. I think you might be able to order them online, too. Since it's you should be able tea. to. Yeah. yeah, you should be able to. So. And then I have some tea here, too, some a masala chai. Ooh. Yeah, this one that I buy has, um, so normally in masala chai teas, there's, like, peppercorns, black peppercorns to make it spicy but this one has red peppercorns instead so or pink peppercorns so it makes it it gives it a little bit of a a little different flavor that's nice yeah I was kind of thinking about like buying all of the pieces like all of the ingredients to make my own chai blend and seeing how Mm -hmm. that goes but then it's also like okay do I want to buy all of those things and then have them all if they don't end up using it but you know what it's like cardamom and peppercorns and cinnamon and ginger like I would use that anyway, so I'm talking right now. I'm talking myself into doing it. So yeah, I well, that's good. Do that. Stay up- updated. I'm <laughs> excited. Solid chai experiment. I like chai, and I, there's, I mean, like, I like chai yeah. lattes, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of really good like chai concentrate comes like blends that you can buy. Yeah, I have. I haven't really found a chai latte blend that I like, or chai chi, mm. chai latte, chai latte concentrate that I like. They're all like too sweet. Yeah. But um, I like the tea. I like the brewed tea, mm-hmm. which is saying something because my entire life I have vehemently said I am not a tea drinker. So for me to have found a tea that I like is a big deal. Girl, trust and believe. <laughs> I haven't had coffee in two weeks. I've had tea almost every day, if not multiple times a day. Yeah. I was very much a fuck tea person. And then I stopped working in coffee. Yeah. 
And I'm so, now I'm just so, it's because I'm so particular about my coffee that I, anything less than my standard is shit. And I just, not worth it. No, it's not worth it. It's not yeah. worth it. It gives you a stomach ache. And make, there's like a serious, like, crash, caffeine crash. Yeah. It's really just not worth it. So I feel you. I tried not. to, <laughs> I tried to restart coffee, like regular caffeinated coffee. Um, Cause mm-hmm. my entire pregnancy, the caffeine from coffee would give me like, I would, I was like, it was like I was snorting Coke all day. It was, I was getting the jitters and just bouncing off the walls. It was really bad. And I got really aggressive too. Like I had no patience. And so that happened again after I started trying coffee. Um, after I gave birth and I was like, nope, can't do it. Um, but we got really good decaf beans. So I've been really enjoying, um, decaf coffees because I love the taste of coffee. Like I still Mm want to drink coffee and enjoy the taste of coffee, but I don't want to freak out. Like I was freaking out before. Yeah. There's a, um, roaster in Camas that we really like called hidden river roasters and Mm -hmm. they're, decaf beans are excellent. So we get a bag of decaf for me and a bag of caffeinated for Adam and it's awesome. And then I can also have coffee any time of the day because it's decaf and there's there's such a little low level of caffeine. It's fine. That's awesome. And it's really good good quality. So Mm -hmm. it's up to that standard, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. Good, like good quality coffee. It doesn't matter if it's caffeinated or decaffeinated. They just know how to treat the beans so it's just going to be good no matter what so yay yes. for a good decaf yeah so if you're interested i will throw some hidden river decaf beans your way if you want to try them we also got a whole like chemex setup so the drip or the brew pot Ooh. process is excellent mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. nice and when you can start coming over <laughs> so we can work together you know in one space i'll brew you some like we can brew our coffee in there oh wow so then i can't wait oh, that'll be great okay. can't <laughs> I wait i know well, i'll bring over my wake and bake mug yeah there you and go. my storage unit there you go also i know we're spending a lot of time on coffee but i'm just going to continue <laughs> because i also have decided that i really enjoy heavy cream the most as my creamer mm-hmm. half and half doesn't cut it it's not thick and velvety enough mm-hmm. the heavy cream you get that silkiness and mm-hmm. it's just like it becomes more I mean it, it becomes more dessert like and it's mm-hmm. without but you don't have to add sweetener it's you just get that excellent creamy I don't know it's just it's yeah. just really good I'm into the heavy cream yeah all of the like CrossFit people all of the health Food people who consume dairy use heavy cream in their coffee because yeah. you don't need sugar. You don't need all the extra stuff. It's just yeah. a little bit of that. And then it's that good fat for you or whatever. Exactly. So, and then I Into think it. like the caffeine somehow links with the fat in the, the, the heavy cream. So it like lasts, your caffeine lasts longer. Yeah. It's more of like a slow drip. Yeah, that's the whole idea behind bulletproof coffee, which is blending butter into Mm -hmm. or butter and coconut oil into your coffee is that it it gives it that that slow release. And it doesn't overwhelm your system too much. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Another level to it. Another level to my coffee routine is I stopped drinking it on an empty stomach. And on uh-huh. its own. I'm only drinking it after I've had breakfast. 
That's because great. I think that was another thing. It was like entering my system too much too fast. Yeah. I'm like, no, let's just eat breakfast first. I'm home. I'm eating breakfast anyway. I don't have anywhere to be. It's not like I'm running out the door to go to work. Yeah. And then I, th- I feel like if you ingest coffee, like the first thing, it like burns your stomach lining. Yeah. Like, so like the acid from the coffee and your acid in your stomach and your gut and stuff, like, yeah. Then you have like the diarrhea, like the poop, the coffee poop. Yeah. And then you still yeah. grow. Yeah. I've worked three years on an empty stomach and only with caffeine. So yeah, I know exactly, <laughs> you know exactly that. <laughs> I know, I know. Changing so, habits. Anyway, and that is Ashleen's coffee routine. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Hope you try it. <laughs> I love it. I've been doing hot water, lemon, and apple cider vinegar and honey. If I'm not drinking tea, which has been really nice. Also an nice excellent wave. option. Yeah. So look at that. And plus, Adam, like hot water is good for you. Yeah. Well, hot water and lemon and Mm -hmm. like all of those things are really good. They like balance your system. They bring um, your, the acidity level in your blood down Mm -hmm. so that you're not so acidic. So you're more alkaline, which is the cancer thrives in an acidic environment. And so if your body is in the more alkaline state, it's in a quote unquote healthier, like more like a stronger state of being. I didn't know that. I just knew it was good for you. (laughs) but yeah my routine has been putting the water on the stove and while that's heating up I take four drops of oregano oil and then it oregano oil is awful and it's just so pungent that I do that and then I immediately drink like an emergency uh that powder stuff yeah water I just chug a bunch of emergency and then it kind of just fades away and then I take I'm now adding vitamin D vitamin D vitamin good for you nice yeah trying to keep my immune system up right trying to for real not catch whatever's out there yeah for us so that's great you know another random thought about all of this Something that has been really driving me crazy about the coronavirus thing, how everyone's like, oh, the only thing that you can do to survive the coronavirus is like washing your hands and not touching people. Nobody has, no scientist has been like, or mainstream scientist has been like, just boost your immune system. I mean, there was that vitamin yeah. thing. It was, there was a vitamin C thing, that like trend that happened, but then no one was like, here are immune boosting new uh like foods this here is an immune boosting supplement you know like no yeah. one is actually saying like boost your immune system like, start with yeah be a healthy person <laughs> and you won't like your likelihood of c- contracting a worse or more severe version of covid yeah less right that's when i'm like why do we have to fight so hard to get like good information like that? Like you really have to dig deep and our healthcare system is like, so not even about being healthy to start at the beginning with, you know, it's so reactive, just like (sighs) everything else. It's reactive. It's what happens if you get it instead of like, let's optimize your system so that you don't get it. And even if you do, it's just a low, a little, yeah, it's a, like a, just a light, 
you know, smattering of it instead of the full blown respiratory, you know, you need the ventilator and the ICU and everything. Yeah, I know. It's, it's insane. Well, that was like, I was really happy to hear, to listen to the podcast that I posted about on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, where Karen Hurd, who's a nutritionist and a biochemist was talking about the ways that just in general, how you can beat a virus. Like, yes, COVID-19 is scary. It's something that we don't know anything about, but at the end of the day, it's still a virus. And here's how Mm -hmm. the human body has evolved to beat viruses over time. And, um, you know, her big thing was just, if you get it, if you think you are getting a virus, just heat your body. You mm-hmm. raise your body temperature because viruses cannot thrive in heat. So wear a scarf, wear hats, cover your ears, sit in a sit in the bathroom with the shower running really, really hot. So you are getting that steam into your system too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people aren't talking about simple things like that either. Yeah. You know, if you have, yeah. a, if you get, get the fever, let the fever do its thing or the fever is there as an inflammatory response for your immune system to beat the virus. Like there's a reason that you have a fever. 100%. So I'll, I'll link that podcast episode below in case anybody, or in the description in case anybody wants to listen to it, but it's a really interesting take on everything. Yeah. And I was even think this is like a total stoner shower thought, but I was like, you know, when we learn about animals, we always are like, wow, otters have so much oil in their fur to that they're that's like wicking, like wet wicking. So they like insulate their body. It's like all of these animals have defense mechanisms for the outside world to make sure that they can evolve and survive. And it's like, we humans are animals. And we right. have defense mechanisms inside of us to make sure that we survive and evolve. And with all of this, like, keep everything clean. Like, yes, keep everything clean. But, like, past histories, we've just annihilated all bacteria and all germs from our everyday life. So our immune system doesn't know how to fight any of these things. Right. So it's like the parents who are like, don't touch the ground. Don't touch the dirt. The dirt's going to get you. Like you're, you need all of that stuff. You need germs. So your immune system can fight the germs. The germs. Yeah. They're teaching your body about how to deal with a worse germ infestation. Exactly. I was listening to another podcast. Radio lab had a podcast episode about, um, some treatments that they are um, trying to see if work. There's experimental treatments to see if blood plasma transfusion from people who have had COVID-19 and recovered into people who are currently suffering, if the immunities that they have developed will help to um, help the, you know, the currently infected people to beat the virus. And in the past that, that that's worked, it worked for diphtheria in the 1800s. It worked for the Spanish flu in the 1910s or 20s. And, and we stopped doing that kind of a transfusion because um, we developed vaccines. And once we had the vaccine, we didn't need a treatment for a virus because people never got the virus in the first place. But now um, there's 
doctors who are going back and looking at that and to see if it'll be an effective treatment now for COVID. And so far, I think it's looking good. Like I think it's working and it's working quickly. Like people are recovering fast. So I'll link that podcast episode too, because it's super interesting. And if you have had it or know somebody who has had COVID and recovered, you know, click the links and go find out how you can give your, how you can donate plasma because Mm -hmm. you could save lives. One of the things that was really interesting in this episode, in this podcast episode was that they said for um, COVID-19, if you have it, you are most likely to infect three other people. If you have COVID-19 and recover and donate your plasma, you could save three people. So there's like wow. this beautiful symmetry, like such yeah. a, like the, the natural universal mm-hmm. order of things to that. That's cool. You know, so super, super interesting. That is interesting. I know. And it's, it's just an interesting, every, everything is like so experimental yeah. right now, you know, like it's, there's yeah. just no right answer to anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, donate your plasma. Like, what is it going to hurt? You know, right. It'll, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty so. sure the process is just like giving blood. Yeah. Because they have to pull the plasma out of your blood. So I think it's just, you sit there for 10 minutes with a needle in your arm. And then also speaking of donating blood, I do, I have heard that the Red Cross is running out of blood. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are healthy and are able, find your donation location. Especially if you're type O. I think O is Mm -hmm. the universal donor. O negative, especially. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely get into that. Yeah. If you are, you know, especially if you're stuck at home and afraid and frustrated that you can't do anything to help, like, that's a way that you can help. You know, it's it's so, Mm -hmm. it's such an easy way to help, too. I know. So help, help your neighbors by yeah. helping yourself. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> help yourself by helping your neighbors. Yeah, there you go. Flip it around. And then another thing, not to just keep sitting on the same chair, but. <laughs> spin, baby, spin. <laughs> yeah. On one of those um, doctor's stools. <laughs> yeah. I Full feel circle. like. Full spin. Someone, someone said that our, our curve is flattening in Washington state. Oh, good. But my fear is that it's going to flatten and then people are going to lax on social distancing, washing their hands and like not touching people or whatever. And then it's going to go, it's going to spike again. Yeah. Because this is the week it's supposed to spike. Right. Right. Hopefully though, by that time, the healthcare system will have a better supply chain as far as ventilators and personal protective equipment mm-hmm. goes. Cause that was the whole reason for flattening the curve in the first place. Wasn't, it wasn't necessarily to keep people from getting sick, which of course that's a big part of it, but it was not, it was so as not to overwhelm the hospitals because mm-hmm. they don't have enough yeah. resources right now, which yeah. radio lab, they've been doing some excellent reporting on all of the, like the, all of the issues that we've been experiencing with the coronavirus, they did an episode about like why we don't have enough hospital beds, like the economics around that and why, um, and about the, I think this is actually a planet money episode, but somebody did an episode about, um, the ventilators and how, what is happening right now to get 
ventilators made quickly and all of the moving pieces for that because uh, Ford and GM are have stopped making cars and they are now making ventilators but there's this whole wow. like the ventilator has you know hundreds of little parts that they have to have supply for but if everybody's trying to make a bunch of ventilators right now then they have to supply you know enough of these little parts from all over the world and it's yeah. been like this whole, it's been an actually an incredible monumental effort for everybody getting involved to, to find sources for all of these little pieces. Mm -hmm. That was a very inspiring episode, actually, because it was okay. like, wow, these people are really make, coming together to make things happen. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, I feel like I have seen, despite like the whole world melting, there's been such great community effort. There's been such good, like, I don't know, everybody's coming together or like pollution's gone down. Like there's a lot of yeah. good things that are coming out of this. Right. Despite the terror that the media has made us feel. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think it's showing us too that we don't need to like we we don't need to rely on the grocery stores and you know we don't mm -hmm. have to rely on external things in order to keep our lives going like if we garden and if we you know even if we like wash our Ziploc bags and reuse our Ziploc bags like we don't have to be such a drain on the earth like we've been so far we can mm -hmm. we, we 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 can change our ways and make things better we can you know do, exactly. we can do we can do this better <laughs> the, way, than the way we've been doing it yeah we have to we or have else to we will, won't survive right so yeah thanks coronavirus right <laughs> always gotta find the silver lining and the gratitude oh yeah you got to yeah well, you've been doing a whole 30 days of gratitude thing on Instagram. Yeah. On your, yep. your personal Instagram. How's that going? Yeah. It's good. I, the hardest part is finding photos that go along with what I'm grateful for. Totally. So I kind of got behind just because I didn't have a photo, a good photo, which is like so dumb. Yeah. But I'm all caught up now. Day eight, posted. Check me out. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's been helpful. I feel like shrimp fried rye. <laughs> shrimp fried rye. Instagram. Yeah, I feel like it's making me like look at all the things that are happening in front of my face every day and being like, okay, yeah, like this. This I am grateful for. I am, you know, the I posted about me living at home and like. <clears throat> the struggle it was like get moving home and then I've been here for like six uh, months now five or six months like seven months I moved in August oh dang August September October November December January February it's, March, it's eight, eight. yeah yeah I've been here for a while now and there are my there are ups and downs on a year for sure but if we had moved, we wouldn't have no money. We would have nothing. We would be on, we would probably not be able to survive. Yeah. So it's like, I, I knew it then when the shit hit the fan, then with like the housing stuff for my, like me personally, I knew that there was like a, something that had, there was a reason. There was a reason yeah. that we didn't get 
what we wanted, you know? And this is the reason. And now that it's like playing out, I'm like, holy fuck. Thank you. Thank you. Universe for totally flipping it upside down and realize like we would not be able to do it. Yeah. We're out on our own. So yeah. Grateful for all of the little things. Oh, and then I also posted about the weed that I smoked in New York because I found a little memory card with all the oh, some photos, and it was just like this tiny little bag of weed, probably <laughs> cost twenty bucks. Yeah, but I'm like, then and now, look at me. Right, right. <laughs> so I don't know. I think daily gratitude has been really nice. I'm trying to be better about meditation, but. I am not being too hard on myself about it. Yeah. Did you? I'm just trying. Go ahead. Did you meditate on four four? I did. Nice. I did. Um, it was only like ten minutes, which is like my my limit. That's my, me being graceful to myself. Is like, don't yeah. feel like you need to meditate for an hour. Just take five yeah. ten minutes. Burn some sage if you feel like it, and just close your eyes and listen to what you got going on. And, um, yeah, but I did participate in the global, uh, meditation on, uh, April 4th, which was really cool. Um, just, you know, feeling like we want to try to raise the vibe, send healing energy to everybody across the planet Mm -hmm. because this is a fucking global issue. And, um, yeah, it was really special. Nice. Yeah. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, well, so we took mushrooms and that day, took mushrooms like on four, three, so on okay. the day before at like 10 p.m., which maybe like two hours after we had taken them, we were like, that was way too late. But <laughs> so I was up for probably like 24 hours. Okay. I, but in the wee hours of like five thirty to like seven, yeah, I was like kind of in and out of like reality, just watching mm-hmm. the sunrise from my window, where I was really just kind of like disconnected from what was happening here, and so I feel like I connected with like the global meant like consciousness. You probably so. did. I think there are people in like, I don't know if I think the, I don't know China time zone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what those time zones are called outside of the American ones, but you know, on yeah. the other side of the world, who are probably meditating because it really was a global yeah. thing. Exactly. So I didn't like sit and intentionally meditate, but I intentionally sat and watched the sunrise, and cool. with the, the self awareness of that, it was four or four. Nice. And people were doing that today or that day. That's awesome. So, yeah. I did my kind of meditation. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> hey, and mushrooms will take you there easily, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were great. That was awesome. Good. Good. Yeah. Very fun. I have not taken any in a very long time and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. We'll get, we'll get some for you. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Cool. Well, who's our guest today, Ray? Oh, let's let's boy. talk about what we've got going on. 
We have an amazing interview for you guys today. Her name is Liv Vasquez. She is a cannabis chef, restaurateur, general badass lady. She's awesome. She um, puts on these cannabis dinners where she infuses, oh, she infuses the, sorry, I was like trying to get in the spot where she should be. There's no room. Um, she infuses the dinner with THC and creates a whole experience for you and like teaches you all about cannabis in a really fun tactile sensory learning type of way and she's just an amazing human being and I'm really freaking thankful that we were able to sit down with her and talk to her I know same it was an honor like yeah. it was such a cool conversation. She, like you said, she's a total badass. Like that's the only word for her. She has standards and is, you know, and is, will hold everything to those standards. Mm-hmm. She, um, she won a court case against uh, a sexual harass- harassment case against a former employer and won, and in within the cannabis industry too. Mm-hmm. She you know, like she supports companies that are ethical and that support mm-hmm. women and people of color and other minorities. Like she's, I don't know, she's just awesome. And she's the way awesome. that she, the way that she crafts her dinners and her events, the, 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 the way that she thinks about them is so unique. Like no, like nobody's thinking about events in this way. I know. I, she, yeah, definitely touched that like, wow, you are an inspiration. Like, I want to be you when I grow up. And yeah, just the way she thinks about things and how meticulous she is and how professional she is. And it's just like, yeah, I am a huge fan. I was a fan of hers before we talked to her and I will be a fan of hers after this interview gets released. But (laughs) yeah, she she was amazing. And she's also going to be on Netflix. Oh yeah, that's coming out. Yeah, she had she wasn't able to talk about it in the interview, but we can talk about it now. Yeah, we can. Uh, her show, cooked, cooked with cannabis. Yeah, yeah, cooked with cannabis. Cooked with cannabis uh, is going to be released on Netflix on four twenty, just in a couple of days. But I just watched a trailer for it, and it's like a cooking competition show, which is totally my shit. Like, same. Yeah. So two chefs compete, people eat their food, and they cook with cannabis. And it looks so, like, so much fun. So I'm excited awesome. to watch that. Yeah. yeah, me too. We were even thinking about putting together a Netflix watch party to yeah. watch her episode to watch the whole series so if you guys are interested yeah. in joining us for that um keep an eye on our instagram and we will let you know um when we're gonna put that watch party together and we can all hang out and virtually smoke virtually hang out virtually smoke check out this awesome um this awesome new show which again is just getting cannabis more accepted into the mainstream Oh, yeah. And, it's and really, showing people that we're not just fucking stoners, right? That it's like... Exactly. People are intentional and mindful and thoughtful about this. Medicine. Yeah, I, exactly. I think 
you listeners are going to be very surprised at how, I don't want to say smart, but how like scientific she gets into her cooking, her cannabis cooking. Because she thinks about your age. She thinks about what you're doing tomorrow after you've got done, gone to her dinner. She's thinking about the environment, like literally everything, the fats that she's using, the food that she's cooking and how that's going to react with the cannabis and how that reaction with the cannabis is going to affect you. It's just, she really holistically looks at the dinner and the person eating the dinner and like, she just, yeah, she's just awesome. She's awesome. And yeah, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. It's yeah. a great one. Every time I, I remember when we left her place, I was like buzzing, so excited, so inspired. And then when I re-listened to the interview, I had the same feeling of just mm-hmm. inspired and like visions for what the cannabis industry can and will be here in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking stoked. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right cool. We'll see you guys on the other side. Enjoy. Hey, fam. Ashleen here. Just wanted to cut in really quick and let you know that the uh, beginning of this interview is a little bit funny. Um, we walked into, or we started a great conversation with Liv pretty much as soon as we walked into the door. Um, and once I got the mic set up and hit record, that's pretty much where the segment is starting. So um, just to give you a little bit of context to what we're talking about, Liv won a sexual harassment case against her former employer. And um, we're going to get into the details about that in a couple minutes. But uh, there you go. There's a little bit of reference um, for you. And here we go. As a white passing woman of color. Mm-hmm. So I really was like, this is a woman in my community. <laughs> like, yeah. And it just was like, she was so like, it's okay. Like, I, I totally feel I, you. Yeah. It's okay. Like, yeah. kind of feeling but if it would have been anybody else I could have gotten into some real trouble <laughs> like like just jumping to her defense <laughs> did you have to defend again so my case was against Mindrate that mm. is in Northwest so they're still open um, but one of the things that started my case that prompted it was that there were guys working there looking at pictures on the Instagram mm-hmm. and liking pictures of like half-naked women, women in bikinis, stuff that's not really relevant to, like, a dispensary. Right, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't, I mean, I would feel creepy if I posted, like, a bikini picture and a dispensary liked it. I don't know. It's just, like, a little weird. So that that was, like, all part of it was, like, stuff that people was were posting that was, or liking, that was inappropriate for a business and for a cannabis business. Yeah. So two years later, you know, we we're about to go to court, and the week before I go to court, I reposted one of Savina's pictures, and it was a woman who was, like, like alluded to her being nude, but she had, like, we leave, like, her collage stuff. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, like... You, you couldn't see anything. Yeah. It wasn't sexualizing her. It was really like 
the divine feminine kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. And, yeah, so like I post I reposted it in my stories and they screenshotted it and printed it out and had it in oh. court and said that I'm fine with sexualizing women, that I have no problem with it clearly because the week before this trial I posted that in my stories and oh my I was just like absolutely I'm supporting a woman actually by posting that, not like yeah. sexualizing a woman yeah. or like degrading a woman. Yeah. So it's a very different context with the fact that a team of lawyers felt like that was appropriate to do. Yeah. And it just felt such an like such an invasion of my like like we're in court already. Like yeah. what what are you trying to like I'm defending things from two years ago mm-hmm. and you're trying to make me look bad yeah. by supporting a woman in my community who right. needs the magnified right. yeah. like amplification. And a naked woman does not need mean sexualization. sexualization. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's yeah, these like, two different things here. And like, yeah. I mean, that just kind of shows their part of their character. To, Full ignorance. To yeah. lob right back onto that and mm-hmm. saying that it's a sexual thing, too. It's like, yeah. no, there are more perspectives here. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was just, like, also, I'm not sexualizing any women in my community for the flat reason that I'm het and I don't feel like that's appropriate to do and I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. Like there's like, it's very easy, but that's not something that it's art. Like if I go to the Met and start covering up random pieces of art, that's a whole, that it's just, I think art is subjective. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's, there are more lines than that, but that's a hard line for me is like, this is art. Yeah. Yeah. This is not degrading someone. This is not put making them a focus of only my pleasure. Right. This is art. So the fact that they were so colorblind to that, all of them, like, and this Mm -hmm. is, you know, I sued a woman. So it's hard to say that I went to a a woman of color with a sexual harassment suit and sued another woman of color over sexual harassment. But she thought all this was fine. Yeah. So like I didn't even know that part of it. I thought it was all men on the, I guess, the yeah. de- would it be the defending team? Yeah. 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 So, like, to me, when I see all these bags that are, like, buy weed from women, I'm like, let's make sure we're saying from ethical women. Yeah. Because I did sue a woman for defending the men who were attacking, assaulting, and harassing the women that worked for her mm-hmm. and the women who shopped in her shop. Mm-hmm. So like that, I don't care if you're a woman, you're a corporation. Yeah. And I have to take down this corporation for not making a safe space for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The irony of it is she sued McMinimins for sexual harassment and won. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. She started this dispensary with money from a sexual harassment suit. Oh my God. Like there's just so many layers of it that people are like, they really think that I sued like a white guy yeah. and it's like no I sued a Colombian woman yeah and it sucks yeah. like that was not like my goal yeah. but I had to show her that there is a right way to run a business in a wrong way and there's yeah. so many people who come into weed on the legal side and treat it like their cartel mentality and it's mm-hmm. like you're not Scarface right <laughs> no, you're really not you got the OLCC yeah. so you're not Scarface right. yeah so so yeah, so that's like the kind of long and short of it with that. So it's wow. a long journey, but I was like, Savina, gotta go out and get a drink sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we are connected. Yeah. <laughs> Hash it all out. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So wow. 
weird journey. Seriously, but it's so important because somebody really does. Like people do need to stand up yeah. for those boundaries. Yeah. Because I mean, if if we don't, who will? Right? Yeah. And I made the mistake of thinking we're alike, so I can trust you. Right. And that sucks that yeah. I can't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have to really dissect the ethics and morals of everyone I'm around now yeah. because this was so it was two years of it, you know. Yeah, so it was yeah. like so long and tedious, but it was also like a hard lesson that we can't just say to default to women or POC. Yeah, right. Which yeah. sucks. I would like to just default yeah. to women or POC, but like you can't make it easy. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Really gotta do I, I really wish work. it was a different way, but yeah. It's just how it yeah. worked out. This just time. you really just have to do your research and like yeah. everything like tedious research on mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Which sucks, but like it's important. Yeah, and I mean you're dealing with money that is not going into banks. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like even to sue them, they were saying, we're just a mom and pop shop. We have no money. I'm like, I know that I ring working two days a week about half a million dollars a year. Yeah. So it's not just a mom and pop shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't defer to that. But then to sue them, you don't know how much money they have. That's crazy. Yeah. So like they can, they could they literally can say, live. I don't yeah. have anything. Like, we can't do any record searches for bank records. Right. Yeah. So, it's, it's like, if it could have gone very bad in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, if it was in one other county, yeah. it, you know, yeah. like, it could have gone bad. But it, it's like, I'm glad that everything laid out the way yeah. it did. Because if it made it look semi-easy to one other woman, so, like, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we just jumped into conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should take a moment and introduce okay. our guest. Yeah. Um, we are really excited to be sitting with Liv Vasquez. Yes. Cannabis chef. Extraordinaire. Thanks for being here with us. Yes. Thanks for having me. You have such a cool story, which we've already heard a little piece of. A little snippet. A little snippet. <laughs> Um, but tell us a little bit about where you started with cannabis, how it became such a big part of your life. Um, so I was like in high school and, um, kind of into my like formative years. I was really straight edge. I was like, I didn't drink. I didn't do anything when I was 18. Um, I was a chef already and I got into a car accident that gave me some back, uh, a back injury. And so going from having like nothing, not even taking aspirin to taking Darvacet, which is a muscle relaxer, like painkiller that's really intense. I don't even know if they sell it anymore. Like, I don't think you can get it anymore. <laughs> so like I, um, and I'm always, I've always been kind of like a fun, like jokey person and it just took away my whole personality, it made everything really cloudy. I just wasn't myself. Mm-hmm. My mom really noticed and she was like, look, I think you should just smoke a joint and take a really hot bath and see how you feel after that because you're, you're not, you're like, you're struggling and it's, it's, you're dealing with pain and it's just like not really helping you to take pills. And I, I've always been, I can feel it in my liver and my kidneys, like when I take medicine. So I just didn't, I wasn't happy Mm -hmm. and I smoked a joint and I took a shower and it just was like life changing. Like the pain was gone, but there was also the distraction of the THC where I wasn't just thinking about the pain all the time too. So, um, I had been a chef for a while and I had always kind of smoked and working as a chef. And then I was a stage manager as well. Um, 
you always, you don't really have health insurance when you work jobs like that, but you do have a dealer usually. So, (laughs) so I just, you know, I had weed to help me regulate sleep, help with pain, help with anxiety. Um, and then when I moved here, actually years later, I was, I guess it was like eight years ago. Um, I noticed that the laws were starting to change. People were starting to vote for recreational cannabis. To me, that was like such a novel idea to be able to just have it because Mm -hmm. I knew I could get a prescription with the things that I had, but there was still a stigma and it wasn't really easy. It was kind of expensive to get a prescription. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that that's the thing you want to try or do it just feels like a barrier so when recreational stuff started to move um that was about five years ago here in Oregon I started working in a medical dispensary and then helped them transition to recreational and just kind of dropped everything in the culinary side and started working to figure all of it out just to figure out like Um, different strains, different profiles, cannabinoids, but then helping people with different ailments. Like I got to take case studies basically. So I was working with people over three years who had, who were submariners with extreme PTSD, who were older Mm -hmm. people who had stomach issues, um, women with eating disorders, people with endometriosis, like things where I got to watch people over two years and help them and see what really worked. Um, and it really gave me so much information on the science side. And then I audited tons of lectures from different people all over the world. Um, most of them have been taken down from YouTube now, but, um, yeah, YouTube doesn't keep that stuff up. So, um, there are people like Mara Gordon, who's incredible, who's given lectures literally all over the world and her studies are just incredible and she was an engineer and now she's a chef and a cannabis scientist so she kind of switched her whole life but she understands the science and the math on a great scale so um so yeah it was kind of a long transition over like 20 years but it really was like getting to know people and stories and why people used certain types of cannabis and cannabinoids for different things was really my like I just dove head first into it and um, learned that different strains different um, profiles but also different extraction methods can make very different effects and they can heal different things so we kind of have to use them accordingly so kind of switching my brain from just selling weed to being more like a pharmacist and doing that over the five years now has really been a different type of um bringing cannabis into my life so it's always kind of been there but in the last five years it's been just science heavy learning about it that's cool that is so cool it's a bummer that youtube doesn't keep those weed lectures up like that is really frustrating yeah they took down almost all of Greenflower media which was when I was learning Mm -hmm. Greenflower was one of the only ones that was bringing in doctors Mm -hmm. who were willing to talk about this stuff and say like I mean they had everything from product reviews to people who were like neuroscientists who knew why it affected the brain in certain ways and there were some of them that were paid like on their website and then some that were just up on YouTube so they took down YouTube took down all of their content like two years ago I think they did a pretty big sweep mm-hmm. and took down a bunch, a bunch of, of lectures yeah. there was a bunch of stuff from South America that yeah. I can't find anymore um, yeah and it's like you know 
the science moves so fast that who knows if that stuff would even really be that relevant now. Yeah. But it's a shame that, you know, it's like now they're starting to offer these courses in colleges and stuff like that. But based on what? Based yeah. on what knowledge? Like, totally. this is an info share. It's a prehistoric plant that we've only had scientific access to for the last 10 years, really. Yeah. So it's like anything that we've learned in the last 10 years has been like light speed information coming at us. We kind of need need the notes to check our notes you know like we need to see where we came from to see oh okay that study is out of date because Mm -hmm. now we've seen that we're not testing on rats we're actually testing in humans and there's a very different Mm -hmm. effect and there's a lot of that stuff that I've had to cross reference that I just can't find anymore but Mm -hmm. I know that I watched a lecture on someone who did this study in mice you know so it's like it's it's really hard to prove a lot of things when you have disappearing information all the time like you know what I mean it's, Seriously. <laughs> it's wow. really tough. <laughs> it's so insane. I mean, just like the, the censorship aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. It's, it's like um, the Marvel, like, endgame. Like, everybody just disappearing. Yeah. It just feels like that sometimes where you're just like, no, there was this lecture that yeah. was, like, on CVG that was like, oh, she made this point. I need to remember it. It's yeah. gone. It's, like, swept from the internet. So that stuff is really, like... It's disheartening, really. Yeah. You know. I wonder if we can find it again. I know. Does the Green Flower still have a website that we can... Green Flower actually switched, so now they're doing kind of like an academy online where you pay mm-hmm. for it. Okay. But it's just like, you know, there's no incentive for bud tenders to learn. And yeah. they make like $12 an hour. They don't have the money. Like, I didn't have money to invest in this, but there was free education online I had access to. Right. Now you have education that's sponsored by brands. Mm-hmm. So right. we don't know how much can you put into that. You know, that's like Coca-Cola telling you about the food pyramid. Right. Yeah. You know, like how much information can you really take from that? Because it's biased. Right. So, yeah. So there's just a lot of like information flying around that's not all correct. And there's no way to save and honor those free things because um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, they're all the same entity mm-hmm. and they haven't updated their terms of service to include cannabis since their inception. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of people who are fighting to have them. I mean, I think it's like almost 10 years now of yeah. this. Like, yeah. we've had a lot of movement in the laws. It's like 48 states have some form of legality of mm-hmm. cannabis and we still can't post a picture of it on our Instagram page. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I've gotten Instagram taken down from various accounts like three or four different times Facebook's taken our accounts down not for chronic owls but for other ones that I've managed like I think I had four of them taken down yeah it's yeah it's really hard really insane. and then it makes it really hard like you said for the education to get out there for even the dispensaries who are interested in getting quality education out there and trying to get their bud tenders trained up properly it's near impossible yeah I actually am starting to really think bud tenders need to unionize I think that yeah. Oregon yeah. loves a union yeah. in particular. <laughs> so, I mean, there needs to be safety. Like what I w- went through, there was no safety for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no protocols for these people. And then yeah. dispensaries, most of them have less than 15 employees, which is the amount of employees you need to have an HR department mm-hmm. or to have any kind of protocols mm-hmm. for these people to be safe. Right. So I, I really do think that... Um, I would like more people to push to unionize mm-hmm. in the cannabis industry because I think it would yeah. be a, a big benefit for people who are making usually $12 an hour and selling millions of dollars of the product right. that they can't afford. It is happening a little bit in Washington. I know that That's there's great. a union in Seattle with um, the Have a Heart chain. Yeah. 
they have their union, and I don't know all of the details on it, but I do know that there's a minimum wage that's, you know, higher than what the minimum wage is. There's access to health benefits. Um, that's cool. And I don't know what the that's details great. are, but yeah. But in Washington, they're limited by their jargon. So they're not put under the same pressure that the butt tenders in Oregon are. They're True. treated like pharmacists here. Like they're, they're supposed to know mm. because people are literally coming from the medical program in Washington because they can't get answers there right. over the border to Oregon to try to get answers. Right. Which is... It's so close, but completely different cannabis programs. Yeah, like, we were saying that today. We we're like, because we live in Vancouver. Oh yeah. So okay. we're like, it's so hard. We're just in a weird spot. Like, I feel like I have an allegiance to Washington State, but my culture is Portland. So it's yeah. like, because I'm, we're so close to here that like trying to get, trying to connect with Seattle is like just such a hard thing to do. Yeah, because we're just here. It's only it's three hours away, but it's still like three hours away yeah but I'll (laughs) tell you in all of the I've worked in probably every state except for Washington oh really like I get asked to go everywhere in Washington I've never once gotten a request I've never gotten like there there's just no I think that people are used to not talking about it and I'm so talking about it yeah (laughs) well and they also have weird um, rules on private events yes like like the smoking it's really hard to find smoking spaces for everybody to come together and and smoke well that's everywhere that's why I do my events in private spaces right so like I have to turn a private residence into a restaurant and that's what I travel the country doing now because it's like my skill set. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it's not impossible. It's very possible there are consumption B and Bs all through Washington. Yeah. Yeah. There's consumption homes, even private residences. Yeah. I mean, I most of the places I do caterings are in private residences when I travel. But there's no requests from Washington, which is just just kind of telling to me because mm-hmm. it's like it's right there. Right. I could go up there, right. but. I, the culture is just so different. Like, they yeah. don't really care. They're just consuming for activities and consuming at home. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a culture around it. Yeah, there's, that's very true. There's not really a medical culture. Or well, culture at all. They you destroyed the medical program. Yeah. And yeah. recreational was yeah. legalized. Yeah. And you can't talk about it in a dispensary. You can you could say indica sativa. Right. Yeah. But if you say, I get headaches, what would be good for my headaches or bad for my headaches? Mm-hmm. They legally can't say because yeah. they're limited in their jargon. That's yeah. giving medical advice. Right. Every other state is like, meh. You know, just, just take it as we say it, but it's, I'm not a yeah. doctor. I work in a dispensary. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, I just think that the culture there, um, isn't as interested and that's a shame because they've had so much information taken away from them. Mm-hmm. I think they just don't feel like they can have it. Well, and I also yeah. feel like people are interested, but we just can't don't get know a how foothold to, to change anything. Yeah. yeah, Washington is like the most strict state on the spectrum of what they will uh, yeah. allow in yeah. their cannabis industry. Um, and but there are people who like they want these things. Yeah, there's, there's just definitely a desire for public not public consumption space. But well, yeah, but public like yeah, yeah. It just places where we can come together and you know smoke mm-hmm. as a group. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, there's just people standing right in the way, and they're not interested in changing for for the you know the new culture coming in. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's kind of weird how Washington's done their whole program to see it all yeah. like medical get kind of displaced, and 
so, I mean, it's not a surprise really, but it is kind of a shame that you have like a place that has access to cannabis and companies that are great, but they just don't have real places to gather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like we've had to smoke singularly for so long. Isn't that kind of the point of recreation to recreationally hang out and smoke? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's okay. That's part of what we're doing. We're going to get a little shade. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) happening. And even in Vancouver, like, the people that we talked to were like, okay, there has to be somewhere where we can go and, like, commune and smoke or, like, get together. Because I know, like, we've talked about just, like, women's groups or getting togativity over to Vancouver. Yeah. Or, like, just meeting up somewhere. But mm-hmm. you can't meet up at a park. You can't meet up by school. You can't, like, you can't. There's nowhere public. You yeah. can't. So it's like, hey, whose house is it going to be this weekend to right. go yeah. hang out at? Or, like, even vendor party or vendor days. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to even, like, try the, the weed. And then the THC freaking concentrate Concentrate bright band that like oh the say, bill yeah yeah the bill in Washington yeah they want to limit it to ten yeah. percent THC in their concentrates Ugh. yeah that's and I mean that's a bullshit arbitrary number well it's also going to make sales concentrate sales in Oregon just go through oh, the roof right yeah, yeah. like we'll, we would probably quadruple oh quadruple sales oh yeah so it's like which now there's actually not a lot of. The sales for dabbles and extracts mm-hmm. isn't really as high as for flour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there are some dabbles extract companies that are kind of banking on it yeah. to pass in Washington so that their sales go up here. I hope it doesn't pass. I don't think it will. Yeah, I mean, Canada did something similar where they were trying to charge higher prices for higher oh, percentages. Yeah. yeah, I remember this. And it's, it's just a detriment. Like, it puts more value on high THC percentages, right. literally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When that's not always the best, no. and people will think that means top shelf. Yeah. Right. But if you, like, equate cannabis to wine, there are some incredible wines, let's say from Spain, that are kind of rare that you can still get for under $20. It's like, they're, they're great, they just have a lower price point for mm-hmm. whatever reason, the way the things stacked up for them. Mm-hmm. So, but if we were just like, well, this has a higher ABV, so we should be charging $200 a bottle for it. Yeah. Then that whole farm could fold right? because the whole vineyard would be like, you're overpricing us. And now we're sitting on a back stock and we'll have great vintages once stuff changes, but we're not going to have anything to sell today right. because no one's going to buy it because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's happened in Oregon is it's like, you know, you're pricing out the farmer. So they're just, but they can't sit on a vintage right. yeah. as it ages, it degrades. So they're just like, well, our crop is gone. We can cross our fingers and hope next year we sell everything, you know? <laughs> yep. So, I mean, we have it so much in Oregon that I'm sure in Washington it's similar, mm-hmm. if not the same. So to take away sales from extractors um, and farms because you're trying to price out anything over 10% or eliminate anything over 10% THC from an extract, yeah. right? it's really just hot hemp. Right. Yeah. Like you can't get anything from <laughs> yeah. cannabis. You yeah. just be like, well, my hemp came in a little too high to sell nationally. Yeah. Then we can press it into dabs and get it at 10%. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's all you're really going to get is high CBD dabs that are really going to cancel out. 
Right. So it's not good for anybody. And you eliminated no. the medical program. Right. So these people who need dabs are now not going to be able to get them. Right. It's tough. It's so, <laughs> so tough. tough. Yeah, there's, like, I mean, there's so many layers to all of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it all comes down to voting. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. true. Just make sure you're voting for yeah. the people who so have your true. best interest at heart, like, if, if the, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to do, but as much as you can when it comes to the cannabis stuff and now with psilocybin. So, mm-hmm. like, vote for the people who have your same interest and then call them like like that's been the thing the last few years that I've been calling people I've worked it into my daily like getting ready routine is to call elected officials they literally need you to call them to action so like if you're calling you know what I heard this one guy who was elected he's pushing for recreational cannabis or cannabis in our state or whatever it is I'm going to call his office and say I support him literally it's all it takes, it takes five minutes but they need those calls to know people are preemptively in their corner before yeah. they push those to vote Yeah. so like even doing that and as stoners it's hard to say get on your phone and make a phone call Right. <laughs> like, it's not easy right. for so many but it is something that's pretty painless that could lead to I mean I'm in all these groups of women who are like in the Midwest or in the South and places and they're like it's never going to legalize here and I'm always like call somebody mm-hmm. if you're pissed call somebody yeah. like yeah. it it doesn't hurt anything well and for the phone anxious you don't even have to call even email yeah like, I have like a contact yeah. form on your website like you don't even have to give them your name if you don't want to yeah send them a message anxious so that's <laughs> yeah I actually call people I didn't even vote for I'm like I live in your <laughs> Like whatever. <laughs> I'm like you need the call. Yeah, for sure. There's somebody. I'm calling for somebody. Yeah, like yeah. somebody who is probably phone anxious. Yeah. I'm on the phone for them. Totally. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but it does make a difference, and those people sometimes make me feel better because it's like, oh, you're in my corner, and you're a nice person. Mm-hmm. I talk to you. You're a real person, and they always say we need these calls to action. Like if you don't call, we just kind of are moving blindly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So it's that was kind of a good reminder for me to like make sure I'm checking in with people because I do want national legality. Yeah, and it's an election year mm-hmm. this year, so really vote mm-hmm. and really call because yeah. it matters this year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So call to action. Yeah. Yeah. Call it up. <laughs> so will you talk a little bit about your like cannabis dinners and yeah. how you started those and then like. How you talk and how you educate throughout the dinner. Yeah. Um, so how I started those was um, I realized that you can't consume in a restaurant mm-hmm. uh, because of the Clean Air Act. You can't have smoke and food in the same place. So it has to be a residence that you're just having a party at, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I was always doing these kind of underground, like, friends things, and then I decided to do one that I opened to a bigger group, um, I guess it was, like, three years ago, maybe four now, um, and I started infusing, like, I infused a whole brunch, um, I've been a chef and a restaurateur for about 20 years, so it was, for me, like... It was muscle memory. Like, Mm -hmm. I knew how to build a restaurant kind of anywhere because I did that in the beginning of my career. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I left uh, Mindrate, when I walked out, literally the moment I walked out, I got on my phone and I called my friend in L.A. And I said, 
you guys are about to legalize in LA in a month and a half. I think I need to come down there and host something. And I just walked out of my job and I think it should be like in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> so a friend of mine was like, I have a roof like of my apartment that you can, it, it was like this beautiful succulent garden with an amazing view and like, but it was like, it really had to be turned into something like it was beautiful, but it, it wasn't equipped to be a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I'd been educating people for a long time. And when I worked in MindRight, I was the staff educator. So I had made a database of 150 flashcards of strains, strain lineage products, and like sales points for those products, what made them good, um, the people behind them, kind of notes on what you could use to sell this, like who, what you would want to know about it. So I had like this backlog of information. I had been working with people for three years as case studies and I'm also a chef. So I can educate with food because I'm a tactile learner. I need to touch it, taste it, smell it. But with cannabis, you have to touch it, taste it, smell it to understand it. You can't just look at a picture of it and be like, okay, if I see this in the wild, I know you really have to smell the terpene profile and, and feel like how it was trimmed and you just have to tactile learn with it. So I started setting up dinners that were for people like me who learn from touching, tasting, smelling, who needed to hear about it conversationally. And my brain can kind of shut down in a classroom scenario, like overhead lights and somebody talking at me. It just doesn't really work for me, but having an open conversation, being able to touch the subject matter, take notes mentally, take notes on my phone or whatever I need to do was a better way for me to learn. So I wanted to make experiences like that where you're, they're all encompassing. So you have almost no choice, but to pay attention, Mm -hmm. like with the roof. It's like when people, I mean, people really had to trust me (laughs) because I was just like, I'm a weed chef and I'm just giving you an address and a date yeah. and you have to show up yeah. and it's yeah. like some alleyway downtown LA and you're just going to show up and like you're going to give me a bunch of money and, and <laughs> yeah. it's just going to work yeah. Like, yeah. so all of these people you know and some of the people were people I'd known a long time one of them was actually a guy who was a regular at one of my first restaurants in New York who had just moved to LA and was like I just miss your food I don't care if it's infused I, don't, <laughs> it's just like, I just like miss eating your cooking so I'm there. So it was kind of great, a great group of people. But I also, for that event, was going off of Mara Gordon's research, which is um, absorption has more to do with age than height or weight. So if you have people within the same age of each other, they absorb on the same rate. Um, but that's also like when you look at children, they can take a higher dose of cannabinoids than someone who's like in their 80s. And that's just because their metabolism's faster, they absorb it quicker. But it, in this dinner I set up where everyone was within five years age of each other, mm. a lot of these people were strangers. So it was good for both levels. It was good because they would absorb at the same rate. But also, if you're by yourself and you're high, and you're on a roof, and you don't know these people... If you all are within the same age, you can make the same reference to like a TV show or a song and you automatically feel like you fit. Mm -hmm. So having everyone there, it kind of took away that paranoia and anxiety of just being high around strangers at a party. And I keep the numbers pretty low so that I can literally look everybody in the eye and just Mm -hmm. be like, are you good? You know, like, do you have questions? Do you want to, you know, did your mom send you here with a question, which Mm -hmm. happens 
so much. Like, like my mom wanted to know. Um, so like, so I'm just like, I will answer the questions and engage everyone. But you also have food. You have other people to talk with. There's music. I make playlists for the first hour of the high of all the strains that I'm using. And I'm manipulating the endocannabinoid system of my guests. I'm layering in terpenes so their high is the high I want them to have. And then I'm microdosing all of the cannabinoids so they're just like when you go to the chiropractor it's micro adjustments so Mm. I'm making adjustments to your high throughout the dinner but it's for at the end of it you go home and you're happy and you wake up the next day and you're not still high you're not still Mm. absorbing you just feel good Um, and I do aftercare like check-ins for everyone to make sure that they're good the next day and so things like that where it's not it's more than just a weed chef Mm because I'm I'm caretaking it's like I'm setting you up with a new relationship with cannabis and some people kind of joke like some of my events like the one in the greenhouse where I took over this greenhouse and we were serving food that was grown in the greenhouse that I got to pick and serve like within minutes oh, wow. and they were hybridizing food for me for this event so they made like this black um, celery that was like really peppery and high in beta carophylline so oh, I could make like a terpene Bloody Mary yeah so it was cool. like it's like my events people really once they get there they see that I've been thinking of them for months Mm -hmm. like it's not just I made a dinner for me to show off as a chef yeah which when you're a chef that's what you do like there's a lot of ego in that world because people are like everything I make disappears in minutes Mm -hmm. so I need to have an ego about my work Mm -hmm. and they're thinking about the plate I have to think about the person on the other side of the plate Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about the plate as much as I'm thinking about the person and their next day so when they show up and they've given me money and trust and show up, I'm making sure they show up right as the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. So they're enveloped in pink hue from the sunset on a roof downtown L.A. When they're walking up to meet these new people, it's not just, oh, God, now I have to meet these new people. Yeah. It's like, whoa, did you guys see the sunset all around us? Yeah. You know, it's just different. It's part psychology. It's part food. But then it's also I just fly in with notebooks. So I have to land and buy knives, food, Aww. linens, plates, glasses, mm-hmm. everything you would need to make a restaurant on a roof or in a greenhouse or a field or a farm or a barn or whatever it is. So it's, and it's all just me usually. Like I have assistants on hand most times, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's only me. So what I'm doing is, yes, it's cannabis chef, but it's also, um, really getting down to the root of it. And that's why I say I'm like the Alton Brown of cannabis is because I'm telling you about where it came from, the people who made it, how it was conceptualized, why you're here and what it's going to do to you going forward. And then it's like, you have this whole new relationship with cannabis because you understand things like just a little bit better. And it's not someone talking down to you or dumbing it down for you or some bud tender who you don't really trust you know like it's all it's kind of taking all of that away and giving experiential dining to the consumer where there's just too much going on for them to forget it so when they leave they're like do you know about your endocannabinoid system because i learned about it on a roof like it was crazy you know so it just makes things stick in people's heads a little bit harder but then it really does build trust with these Mm -hmm. people and i'm lucky to have people who come to 
to my events regularly because they know mm-hmm. what what is entailed. But it's so hard to convey through Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, this is what I do because it's so much. Like, it's so yeah, layered. Yeah. Gosh, layers on layers on layers. <laughs> I love it. Seriously. That's so special. Thanks. I think that's such a cool idea because it's not about, it really isn't just about, like, what's in front of you. It's about the entire experience just yes. developing mm-hmm. you, like you've been saying. I think that's something that people don't do. Yeah. Yeah. And my culinary career started when I was, I started uh, culinary school at 16 and then I graduated when I was 18 and I was scouted by the vice president of Universal Studios. So I was like a wonderkin for can, for like cooking. So, um, I went and I opened all of, almost all of the restaurants in Universal's uh, Islands of Adventure and all of the restaurants at the first, um, city walk. So that's all experiential dining. Though it's like if yeah. you are out in 105 degrees with screaming kids, you saved for eight years to come on this vacation, and you waited for three hours with a buzzer in your hand. What do you need when you sit down? Like, what do you need to see, taste, smell here? Because you're at Emeril Lagasse's restaurant, or Bob Marley's restaurant, or Jimmy Buffett's restaurant. Right. Like, you've gone through hell to get here to just <laughs> eat a cheeseburger. Yeah. What right. do you need to make it worth all that hell? Yeah. So that was my start. Wow. And then I opened two restaurants of my own in New York City by the time I was 23. So it was like, really kind of doing this was almost muscle memory for me because I think about the consumer in a way most chefs probably don't just because of that's how my training started Um, but I'm so grateful for that now because it's played such a big part in how I how I educate and how I feed people and the experiences I create do you have any favorite events that you've done? That was my favorite next question. Dishes? <laughs> or, I mean, the, like the black celery thing is amazing. Just yeah. You're able to get that specific mm-hmm. terpene. Like, what else? Yeah, that, that one. Projects? Oh. That was one of my, probably my favorite, just because it was that greenhouse. It's technically on a, in a private residence, um, but it is on a winery. And it's one of the most beautiful and and it's called the high grove so it was just kind of like perfect and beautiful and the people who own the space were just so generous and like they make this amazing wine and in the greenhouse they grew microgreens herbs like all this awesome stuff for me to use and to as a chef to be able to pick something and have it from soil to mouths in minutes is beyond special it's just something that without cannabis with cannabis it doesn't matter it's just like really magical and those guests I just said meet at a corner and a bus is gonna pick you up you know like it wasn't even like they were just like okay we're standing like freezing and like this like at 11 o'clock on a corner in front of a pizza place and then they're brought to this place and all of them have have stayed in touch with me and just been like that was the best day of my life like it was the group made such close friends. They all left with like phone numbers of each other. They all keep in touch. And like the, the grounds themselves were just beautiful. Like it's truly like a great Gatsby, like magical space. And it's a private residence and they only, I'm the only event that's a cannabis event they've ever, and probably will ever allow there. Most of the other stuff has to be a wedding um, because they're only allowed to do a certain amount a year. So it's like, it was just a really special all the way around. And I got to work with um, my best friend who is a wedding planner and another great friend of mine who's a wedding photographer. So it just was all really 
special in that day. So I would say High Noon in the greenhouse was probably my favorite. But um, recently, the event I did in New York with Shinsen on Bowery, they're a Japanese restaurant, and we collaborated on an underground dinner. And the food that came out of that was probably some of the, the most interesting food and to collaborate with a different chef mm-hmm. who I, we don't speak the same language <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was very it was very cool because the team was amazing um but i like veganized a lot of their dishes and um i think it was like kind of a shock to them and then they tasted it and they're like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> like so so there were a lot of like cool elements to that but then it's also so underground yeah. <laughs> like it's so kind of like we we are underground about a lot of it, but it was um, the flavors really made me think out of the box, and I hadn't really done a Japanese um, menu before, so it was a really fun way to experiment with vegan food and sushi, and and work with a great team of people. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious a little bit about how you make about the cannabis science of your of your dishes like how I know you said you microdose pretty much throughout the entire meal how are you figuring out what is in that microdose so I really you know writing recipes you have to think of math differently but writing cannabis recipes you're now working in metric baking math time and weight so it's like Layers. yeah it's like it's so much more math and science than I ever knew I would be doing and then when you add vegan food there's so much science it's just you like cook vegan food so my first high noon I had um, infused fats I have a friend who's a butcher and so I infused some duck fat and I made these amazing duck fat pop tarts with an apple and curd sage in the middle and they were so good but after that I was thinking and then I was like you know thinking about trappers in Alaska and people who eat duck fat and what they're using it for is a sustainable fat to burn so that means that it's going to be lasting longer so it kind of was like a smack in my forehead like oh no these people could be getting high at work on Monday if they have a slow metabolism like they could be digesting it and it could still be hitting them that's not kind to my guests so plant based makes cannabinoids more bioavailable so if I'm putting 10 milligrams in something I know you're absorbing closer to 10 milligrams if it's plant based Mm-hmm. If it's in like like um, meat fats or dairy, there's a chance that if you have um, if you're lactose intolerant, you could lose your whole dose halfway through the brunch. You could go to the bathroom and it's gone. Yeah. So you're not on the same ride as everybody else at the table. So there's little things like that. And um, IBS is there's a lot of studies that say that IBS is a cannabinoid deficiency. So people who need cannabinoids usually develop IBS. And so things like that, where if people are at the table, they all have different ailments and digestion issues. If you have everything plant-based, first of all, it's easier for food contamination. There's not going to be any crossover. And if I'm having to be on a roof and set up refrigeration and stuff, there's not as big of an issue if it's plants, Mm -hmm. if it's just vegetables. Um, But if it's meat, you have to have a freezer or refrigerator, ice. Everything has to be iced 100%. And I mean, everything is iced, but just less chance of anything happening with right. plant-based mm-hmm. and then I know that what people are eating is closer to the dose that I'm intending for them mm-hmm. so um, everything I do is 
pretty much plant-based. Like for my private caterings, sometimes I'll do pescatarian stuff or things that are specific to their diet because they know their digestion. But anything that I do that's open to the public is going to be plant-based most probably unless I say otherwise. Yeah. But um, never would have even crossed my mind to think of the, the fact that animal fats are going to give you more energy for longer. Like that yeah. is mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the science and the math behind all of that tends to get, I mean, the night before, you know, I have to look at all my test results, my lab tests, make sure that I'm dosing everything properly. And then, um, most times I'm individually dosing the plates and the cups so that everyone is having, and that's why I don't usually go over 24 people. Um, because if it gets closer to like 30 to 50 people, like if it's CBD, I usually am fine with doing large caterings of like 50 to a hundred, but with THC in particular, because I want to dose every single plate to make sure that it's regimented and make sure that they're all getting the exact dose I want. I want to keep it under 24. So that's usually, uh, I keep it kind of smaller mm-hmm. um but yeah it's i mean it's really considering the fat the source of infusion and uh, the extract or how i'm extracting it if i'm making my own oil or if i'm using rso i'm just a little bit different use the carriers a little differently so um so it just depends on the dish and how the dish absorbs. And then I think about what cannabinoid extraction will work best with that for absorption and digestion. Interesting. And are you trying to avoid the flavor of cannabis or are you, is that, does that play a part of the whole tasting menu as well? Well, uh, no, I'm not trying to avoid the flavor, but with microdosing, you don't generally get that full plant flavor Mm -hmm. um so what i do is i'll layer in terpene steam distilled terpene extracts but then that also is manipulating your endocannabinoid system to have the kind of high that i want you to have Mm -hmm. so if i'm using train wreck rso that's diluted to be five milligrams per serving you're not going to taste the rso you're not going to taste the plantiness of it but if i'm adding in to the whole batch a drop of linalool um, so that you're a little bit more relaxed and then maybe a little um, alpha pinene so you're a little bit more like feeling awake and not too groggy then doing that in layers helps manipulate how I want you to feel so a lot of times I will start with a CBD cocktail that has some terpene in it mm-hmm. um, I do like to use alpha pinene or pinene because it's just a little bit more alerting and then it gives you um, bronchial dilation so you can if you're smoking you can get a bigger hit if you have problems breathing it makes it a little easier if you are smoking in the night so um, so there's definitely layers of cannabinoids and elements of the plant I kind of say it's like molecular molecular gastronomy yeah, where it's like totally. I'm layering these things in and it's something that looks familiar to you but it tastes completely unfamiliar yeah um or I'm making flavors that taste like home for so many different kinds of people. And every time they're getting a layer of something, they're like, what is that? <laughs> like, it's just, there's sometimes where it's like really confusing. And sometimes where you're like, oh my God, I remember eating something like this when I was seven all the time, you know? So it's, 
sense memory and playing with that, but also thinking about the endocannabinoid system of the guest and what's a fun high. You know, most people don't want to be groggy or sleepy and they don't want to feel over intoxicated. Right. They just want to feel like at the party and present. So do you usually ask that people come sober and yes, do, are you, do you allow smoking throughout the event or do you just want them to, if you're crafting, you know, the exact experience you want, I would imagine you would ask them to not smoke. during. Yeah. Dinner. Well, it depends. Like sometimes like my event in Napa, I was comparing wines and varietals that grew close together. So I want you to taste the wine and the flower because you're going to taste a lot of the same elements that are growing. These things are growing close to each other and you're tasting like the soil, you're tasting how they're being crafted. And in Napa, Sonoma, like that used to be Emerald Triangle. So now because of weather patterns, it's all moved up to Oregon. So almost the entire Emerald Triangle is Oregon now, which means our wine and our cannabis is better than anywhere else in the country. And a lot of it grows close to each other. A lot of these farms here are actually on wineries. So most of the cannabis farms, you wouldn't even know it, have an attached winery that maybe isn't even in use, but it's just on the same soil because that soil feeds into the cannabis the way it would into wine. So like there are some times where I really want people to taste everything that's around them, what's close to them. And like at the East Fork Farm, when I did CBD summer camp, we brought a forager with us. And so he foraged food from the farm so you could taste the water that's in the flour. You can taste the water that's in the potatoes. You can taste the water that's in all the food that grows there and see how they all work together and how you're really tasting the land and the elements around you. Wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. That tastes like like conscious consumption to like a whole other level, <laughs> For you real. Know? well that's what I want to normalize yeah. I, I mean a lot of these farmers like to be very honest they are people who are now having to be PR and they're having to mm-hmm. work with like doing building websites and keeping on an Instagram when they're used to hiding like yeah. now they're having to put themselves out there and so many of them work so hard to get soil tests to make sure that their flower is the best to not use pesticides and get creative mm-hmm. and and when I started reaching out to these people, I realized they don't know how to talk about their farm in a way that people can understand. Mm-hmm. But I mean, farm to table is something since the nineties we've yeah. been doing. Like it's not yeah. like a new concept, but when it comes to cannabis, so many people are used to prohibition. So they're just mm-hmm. like, I'm not allowed to ask questions. Yeah. I'm not allowed to ask if they had a soil test for heavy metals. Like and I'm just giving them permission to ask these farmers because mm-hmm. most times they're putting money into this stuff that they don't get to brag about, like they don't get to or they don't know how to. Yeah. And when you're a consumer and you're just like, hey, I, I love your joints. I just wanted to know, like, do you test your soil for heavy metals or like how long have you been doing this mm-hmm. or whatever? Like make relationships with those farms because most times they're just out there working in a greenhouse or on the soil on the land and don't get to see the people they're healing every yeah, day and like I have been trying more and more to bring people out for events on these farms mm-hmm. so the farmers can see their farm in a new light because I'm turning it into something more chic and upscale but also they get to see the people mm-hmm. who consume their product and 
it really helps them. You know, it's sometimes with depression, sometimes with cancer, Mm -hmm. but these people are just seeing like OLCC paperwork and dirt all day. They don't see that. So I want to make more connection to the farm. And I think that it's something I would like to normalize so that more consumers Mm -hmm. are just saying like, I love this farm. And you know, Susan who works out at the farm, she's awesome. Yeah. Like you should buy their joints too, because they give back in this great way or they do these extra measures or they pay the people on their farm the same as the CEO or whatever it is that makes it a good purchase for you. You know, like some people don't care about that, but if you're going through the effort to go to the farmer's market for your tomatoes, like like why not ask your farmer like, Hey, like I love this Mm -hmm. strain you Mm -hmm. grew. Like I want to talk to you about it. Like most times they're really receptive because they're like, Oh my gosh, you care. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say, it's like going, it's like the farmer's market mentality. Like you feel better about eating the food when you meet the person who grew it totally because it it does connect a face to what you're what you're consuming yeah and like it's just the connection of everything and so cool as opposed even to buying your produce from a Fred Meyer or whatever grocery store because then it's just you know you're picking something up that is fully abundant at a store and mm-hmm. you don't get the story behind it. Exactly. Yeah, but it could also be like covered in whack, covered right. in pesticides, yeah, exactly. covered in whatever. And it's like, the farmer's like, I don't care about those people. I don't yeah. have to see their face right. covered exactly. in wax. Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. so it's like, when you have people who are like, I don't know if my farm should fold because we're having to sell pounds for like $200. You know, like, if they get an email from somebody who's like, I have lupus and you're you know, Obama Kush helped me through a really hard time. Like that might keep that farm going even a couple more days. And we have so many farms folding. And especially when I heard about the suicide rates of the farmers in Southern Oregon, it's just like really on an incline. And we, these are people, these are humans in our community who are trying. Mm -hmm. We really need to like say, good job pat on the back you know like thank you for helping me through whatever like seasonal depression or whatever it is because they they probably need to hear it wow I didn't, I had not heard that about Southern Oregon farmers. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, because it's like if, um, let's say Florida couldn't sell orange juice outside of Florida. Right. You know, then everything would be orange flavored. It'll be two cents a gallon for orange juice. And that's what we're going through with cannabis here. We have an excess of cannabis. These smaller farms are having a hard time meeting their quotas. And they only get one season. Right. You know, one season a year. And then the rest of the year, they're trying to sell their product or have it pressed into extract or make relationships to put it into edibles or whatever that is it's a lot Mm -hmm. it's a lot for them and it can go from I mean to go from just working a field to now having to do all of that like work in PR and marketing and like it's so much and it can be very overwhelming for these farmers and it's truly heartbreaking to see that the rates have spiked so much in the last two years wow Yeah. yeah that's crazy well, support your farmers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Farmers. yeah. Don't be intimidated by the vendor day dudes. Yeah. Like, go talk to those people and tell them that they're doing a good job. Yes. Because, yes. Yeah. Everybody needs a pat on the back. Totally. Sure. Yeah. This is a hard industry to be in and it's 
so much paperwork, so much red tape yeah. and so much money mm-hmm. and you forget why you're doing it so many times. Yeah. So remind them that they're helping you however it is. Totally. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on the CBD summer camp because yeah. I remember reading about that. And I think that's where I found you. Oh, cool. Because I think I was uh, reading the Willamette Week and you yeah. popped up and I was like, what? A CBD summer camp? That's so cool. <laughs> so you talk a little bit about that. You went to East Fork Cultivars? Yes. And so turned... The East Fork Farm, um, I, I have a great relationship with them because they're so ethical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you all know, but they work so much on policy mm-hmm. um, to move things. So the only time that hemp has been on the Senate floor like in the room while they're regulating it it was an East Fork plant and East Fork was there like to represent and I've gone down to the farm with them and been in a car filled with hemp like filled to the brim and they're like Joel's like changing into a suit in the front seat so we can drop him at the Capitol so he can go lobby and like shake hands and so it's like their dedication plus the people in the field they hire a lot of women women of color they have great diversity and the people who work in the field make I think as much as the CEO but it's like the payout is Mm -hmm. evenly distributed and the people there really care about what they're doing on that farm because they're so taken care of. You know, it's like with restaurants, the people who, if they feel taken care of, they're the ones deep cleaning because it's dead. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones like trying to fix the squeaky lamp or whatever, so you know, true. like yeah. because they actually know that you give a shit about yeah. them. So East Fork does that. Like they really care about their people and they have a great bunch of diversity i think when i first met nathan he was like i know i'm a white guy but i'm trying yeah like it's like working on policy we're looking out for people of color making mm-hmm. sure that the laws are in place for people of color to not get incarcerated for this thing that we're yeah. all using you know like all of that stuff that aligned with me and then they make an amazing product that's yeah. in a lot of my favorite other amazing products. You know, yeah. they're the base hemp for so many brands. Nice. So, like, there's a lot of brands I've even set them up with that now they have these relationships. And I'm like, thank God he's yeah. works in yeah. there. Like, because for me, it's like one less thing to have to check on. Like, if it's coming from East Fork, I have this kind of sense of relief that it's like, okay, I know literally how they treat the soil. I know Aaron on the farm that if I was like, what's up with this of whatever I could text him or email him you know like I feel like my connection with them is so close and then I brought them to New York um, because New York had a lot of CBD interest but it was all like ads in the subway station or Mm -hmm. CBD in bodegas so um, I was like New York shuts down four times a week for fashion week four times a year for fashion Mm week I'm just going to bring a bunch of CBD brands that I like to New York and show them like fashion in a showroom so I brought all these brands I brought East Fork and Groon and Maru and all these brands out um, and we did like a press night and we had everybody from like Vogue and Glamour and Architectural Digest and Bravo and it was just like these farm guys who were just like sitting there with big socks and hands like hi we're from Oregon so like I you know I have so much faith and and love for these people (coughs) that um, when we were in New York I was like you know you put they put like $200,000 or probably more into um, their educational program that they get for free. So I was like, you have this amazing educational program. You have an amazing product. I've been to the farm and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't people 
buying more East Fork, everything. Like, it, they still are, like, you know, really trying to hit their stride, even though we see them everywhere here, they have potential to be so much more. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if I did a summer camp on your farm and we can bring people out to just see you know, how you treat the farm. I I mean, even if people work in the industry, you don't see farms that are set up like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really incredible to see how they've set up their farm to make it completely pest-free, pesticide-free. And, like, they have two natural pools that come in from the Illinois Valley River that are just, like, these beautiful natural pools that are on their farm. And then they're right next to the treehouse resort where they have zip lining oh and all God, kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the same like property line. They share cool. a property line with them. So like I was like there's so much here where it's set up like to basically just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just go there. So I worked with them on making a basically like an AP class for CBD. It was mm-hmm. like, we've all done the 101 in, in our group and we wanted to have more. Like, let's talk about the depths of cannabinoids. So, um, Anna from CBD certified and, um, Zoe, uh, uh, Sigmund got together and made this like incredible educational presentation of just like a deeper dive into CBD and the endocannabinoid system. And then um, we had a forager and I did one of my brunches and I made all the food for that weekend. And we had such a great group of people. One girl flew in from Japan because they just legalized CBD and she wants to start working with the farms there. So it was such a great group and such different people like people from New York flew in and California and we had yeah it was like and there were people who were activists people who worked in the industry it was just a really diverse group but all of them left with like okay I have all these new friends and this farm is amazing and I want to come back and a couple of them actually went back and worked on the farm or stayed on the farm longer or got to like sit in on farm meetings so that they could see like I want to take this back to my farm or my town and see how we can integrate this type of because it should be like this Mm -hmm. it's like once you see their farm you're like this is this how is it, should it should be. Yeah. Ro- I mean, it might be rocket science. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it's done once, then it could be re- replicated. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you see, like, farms around them have the same issues, but they have found the solutions and they try to share with other farmers, like, that information. Like, they aren't really harsh, proprietary, mm-hmm. like, thinking about it. I mean, they started this farm because their brother was sick and they started making medicine for him and he passed away and they just kept carrying on this legacy and the way that they have come together and then they divide to attack all of these different way like ways to get things to market so seamlessly it was like really impressive and then on top of it they're just the nicest people nice. like they're just so nice so I was like you know I want to do this on more farms that I trust and that yeah. I back and like have people come to the farm and it's mm-hmm. table to farm you know it's like let's go out there and see what it's like to swim in that pool in Cave Junction and like let's see what it's like yeah. to you know go hang out on the farm and, and hike around it and see what you've done here because it's 
really impressive what they've done with agriculture there. And then they're growing other plants to fight off insects. And it's like, we got to eat those plants. And it was, yeah, it was, it was really great experience that I want to do on more farms. Um, now that Hawaii is legalizing for hemp and, Mm -hmm. and possibly cannabis, it would be really fun to do something like in Hawaii or like Sonoma or even upstate New York in Hudson Valley. Mm -hmm. So there's more farms that I would like to build like a summer camp on their farm and bring me more people out so they can see people who are doing it right and make that connection firsthand. That's awesome. Are you going to do it again this year? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It it is a big project and it's, it's really like kind of hard to find sponsorship for because Mm -hmm. so many of these brands, um, you know, they'll have money tied up in their crop yeah, and they don't have huge budgets and stuff like that. And that article in the Willamette week came out like two days before camp. So we didn't get a ton of campers from it, but we did get some campers from it. So it was awesome. But, but, um, it is something I do want to do again this year, but I need to see if they would be able to have us again. And like, um, but the, the, actual farm itself at East Fork has, they cleared out this awesome like um, lot of land for people to camp and oh, stuff cool. like that. So it's already kind of set up down there mm. for for us to take over for a week yeah. or something. So so hopefully we'll be able to do it again. That's yeah. so cool! Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah. 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 East Fork 2020. Yeah. I'm just, my mind is just like so blown about what you do. I don't know. I'm just like so excited right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, you are badass. Seriously, like so Thanks. badass. Yeah. Woo! You're awesome. I'm inspired. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, do we want to do our chronic cues? Yeah. <laughs> what do yeah. we call this? The quick fire cup of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Quick okay. fire cup of questions. So, um, pick three sticks. Okay. And then answer the stick. Okay. <laughs> okay let me. I'm like, this is such an ASMR. (laughs) Okay. All right. Weirdest place you've consumed cannabis. Oh, what a good question. Oh, gosh, there have been a lot of weird ones. Um, okay, well, I would say probably, like, I worked at the comedy store in L.A. for a while, and so I would always sneak off in these weird, and the comedy store is very haunted. It's also kind of creepy. I heard about that. Yeah. And then you also don't know when Polly Shore is going to pop up. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. It's the poltergeist. Kind of scary. (laughs) So I would probably say a comedy store um, with Doug Benson. We were also smoking with this girl who was underage but had a medical card. (laughs) So it was really a weird... place but it was also just a weird uh evening but then also like um see if there's i feel like it's been a lot of different weird places (laughs) like when i'm in new york i'm just like where do we have to sneak off (laughs) but i i probably say the comedy store just because it's always weird there (laughs) (laughs) um oh favorite tokativity event Honestly, I feel like it was the first one I went to, which was so long ago now. Like, we started our 
journeys kind of venturing off at the same time. And um, I've known Sam and Lisa for so long now. But the first one was like three years ago, probably. It was when it was still a prism house, the old prism house. And um, it was a 90s night. It was like a craft night. And it was so, like, we were making slap bracelets. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, I kind of knew what tokativity was, but didn't understand the reach of it mm-hmm. till I was there and I saw so many people that like I had worked with before but it was also the first night I officially met Ladies of Paradise and we're so close now and like um Make Good Choices Alex was there and now we have a great relationship so that night was pro- I mean that was like three years ago but that was probably my favorite one just because it set off so many like relationships that had already been starting and we really solidified like relationships and business and friendship that night I feel like so that, that was definitely a great one but activity is good for that oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Point, yeah. you know, it's like, but I think that it's really like it can be overwhelming because it's at that time too, it was like in the house, so it was yeah. people everywhere and like yeah. every nook and cranny of a house, and then it was just a lot of people, which for me was like sensory overload almost. But then it was like once all the faces came into focus. And I saw, oh, I know that person. Oh, these are my friends. Okay. (laughs) A little less intimidating. So, like, and now it's just, like, now I just know if I show up, I'm going to see at least five people I know. So I feel safe and I can just roll up solo and it's fine. Totally. Yeah. But they're really great about that. Like... I'm actually supposed to go out with Lisa this week, and it's like, let's just not work. Let's yeah. just, like, get food. Ooh, oh, <laughs> the novel idea. Yeah. I'm, like, excited to try it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the last one, pipe or bong? You know what? I, oh, gosh, I like both. I probably prefer a bong or a bubbler, but mm-hmm. I never, ever have them. <laughs> I, I, like, never buy them, because I always am just like, Oh, I'll break that. Um, and I have so many awesome pipes from Make Good Choices that I feel like I smoke out of a pipe more. But I do prefer a bong if I have my druthers. <laughs> so, yeah, I even have, like, a joint bubbler there because I like, like, a bubbler, too. So Yeah, I have one of those. It's, it's so great. Yeah. It makes Game you feel changer. so fancy, yeah. but it's, like, $5. I know. And it's, like, it makes so much the best. Sense. And it's, yeah. like, for a crappy four dollar joint it changes it totally it's not as harsh it's not as crappy yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm a big fan of my joint bubbler yeah i like love it now i'm like everybody needs to get one they're great i wish i had a source that made them that i could be like get one (laughs) yeah Yeah. so kind of a mix pipe and bong (laughs) these are good questions Um, and then where can we find you on the internet? Livy Smalls on everything. So I have Pinterest, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Spotify. I make playlists for the first hour of your high of certain strains. Um, yeah, pretty much everything you can find me under Livy Smalls, L-I-V-V-I-E-S-M-A-L-L-S. 
Nice. And where's the best place people can go to find out when your next event is going to be? My Instagram or LivySmalls.com. Well, thank you so much yeah, for talking thanks. with us. Yeah. Like Riley said, you're freaking done. <laughs> you're yeah. such an inspiration. Thank you. So cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, so check out Libby Smalls on all things all the places. internet <laughs> and in real life. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for asking with me. Us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 What a great episode. What a good conversation. Liv Vasquez, you're my hero. Oh, yes. Just like, uh, again, all everything that we talked about was so freaking cool. It's so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I'm glad that we, I mean, we have to listen to this, to the interview like a bunch of times before we release it. But that just makes me smile every time I listen to it. Same. She's, She's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you follow her on Instagram, especially now. She does. She's been doing like quarantine recipes, or if you need help, like figuring out what you want to cook out of your fridge. She posted on Instagram the other day about send her a list of ingredients, and she'll like whip something up for you. So oh, cool. I'd miss yeah. that one. Yeah. That's so. Neat. She's got good content. I like her. Yeah. Yeah. Same. She's yeah. great. Yeah. Well. Well, is that it? <laughs> episode 17. Over and done. Over and out. <laughs> love it. You guys, we love you. Thanks for listening. If you want to check us out, make sure you follow us on Instagram at chronicals420. You want to email us at chronicals at gmail.com. That'd be cool. We love getting emails. Uh, like uh, and subscribe. Yeah, um, leave us a review. Yeah. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We're happy to hear feedback. Uh, and yeah, check us out online, chronicals.com. Check it out. Tell your friends. Tell your friends yeah. that they need a quarantine buddy that they can pull us up and we are there for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> You guys Thanks are for awesome. listening, you guys. We love you. You're amazing. We love you. Have a super Yay. great quarantine week. Yeah. Woo! Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>